Amen. If you can join me in, in Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, as we continue on looking at the images of the Messiah, uh, we're going to look at our Messiah now as servant. In this Old Testament book, in the prophet of Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, uh, verses 1 through 7, we have it right there in your bulletin as well for you to, to read along. I'll be reading from the New Living uh, Translation of this awesome word. The word of God says, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the seas will wait for his instruction. God, the Lord, created the heavens and stretched them out. He created earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says, I, the Lord, have caused you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to the guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who, who sit in dark dungeons. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. As you take your seat, you can tell your neighbor, Jesus is God's chosen servant. In looking at this, the images of the Messiah, we have come to see him as king. We've seen him as prophet. We've seen him as priest. To reflect back, we talk to him as king. He is king of kings, and he is our priest. He is our prophet. And also, I want to highlight that before he was even born of a virgin Mary in a manger in swaddling clothes, he was already king. He was already priest. He was already prophet already in those places. Why is that? Because he is eternal. And knowing that he is all these things, but look what he became for our sake. He went from being king of kings, being lords of lords, host of hosts, being our great prophet, our great meter. Then he took on flesh of form and came in a form of a servant. If you think about it, since he was king of kings, since he was lord of lords, he could have came any way he wanted to. We talked about as a king, he could have came with the government on his shoulders. He could have put everything down and said, this is my rule. I am in control. But he came to not establish a earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. And he's reigning in that heavenly kingdom now. And then as our prophet, he came. Uh, the prophet speaks of God to God's people. He was the mediator to stand before us and speak to God. He came there giving us the word of God. We read in the gospel of John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh. Not only was he our prophet to give us the word of God, but yet he was our priest to represent the people to God. 
For we can't stand in God's presence on our own. We need a mediator. And the priest steps in and the priest presents our sacrifices to the Lord. As we come in the Old Testament, there was daily a priest in the temple receiving sacrifices on behalf of the people so that they can come and worship God. But now we have a perfect priest who is our perfect sacrifice so that we can now boldly come before the throne of grace knowing that we have a great mediator, Jesus, interceding on our behalf. So we come through the king, we come seeing him as prophet, we come seeing him as priest, now we're going to see him as servant. Looking in the Isaiah 42nd chapter, it's, it's amazing how this prophecy proclaims how this servant's going to come. First, the qualifications of this servant is who God has chosen, who God has chosen. The Lord declared that Jesus is the son whom he delights in in different occasions. God's chosen servant was, was found to be delighted at his baptism when a, a dove interceded and the spirit of the Lord says, This is my son whom I am well pleased. When he was filled with the spirit, the spirit led him out into the wilderness for him to come out and do his ministry. And at the time of his earthly ministry, he was went up in the mountain with three of his disciples and he was transfigured. And while he was being transfigured, Peter was started talking, saying, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We should build booths, meaning that let us stay here. It's good. But as that was happening, as Peter was speaking, a cloud came and God started to speak. And then God said again, this is my son. Whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So we see that God is pleased with Jesus. What does it mean that God is pleased with Jesus? It means that he satisfies this prophecy. Even when he satisfied this prophecy, when Jesus was just a baby, the parents were obeying the rites. They took him into the temple to present him before the priest. The prophet Simeon, Simeon picks him up and says, Lord, I am grateful that I have seen our salvation, the light of the nations. We read in this prophecy, he's quoting what he heard in Isaiah, that he will be a light to the nations. Even Jesus declared to them in, in, in the gospel of Matthew, talking about how he will be a light to the nation, how he began his ministry in the, in the sea and by the area of the Gentiles. Nations is another way to translate Gentiles. In other words, to translate everybody that's not a Jew. The servant came to bring us into fellowship with God. Why, why is that important? Because if you think about it, how can I get right with God? How can I get close to God? I need an introduction. Have you not tried to meet somebody and you try to find somebody who knows who you're trying to meet because you need an introduction? Or you're trying to get a job and you're trying to find a good reference and a good reference is always someone that already works at the place and say, can you put a good word in for me so that I can get an introduction with your boss that he might hire me? Or you want to get into some organization or get into some college. You say, I need a letter of introduction, a letter of recommendation. I need somebody to always to intercede or mediate on my behalf to help me. And think about it. There's not too many of us that can get a job without first getting a reference. How can we get before God? We need a reference. And God sent his son to be our reference, to be our servant to introduce us to him. And, and think about it. We, we, we are so 
fearful of God that sometimes we don't even know how to come to him. We think we've messed up real bad this time. I don't think I can make it to church. We think my life is really messed up. I, I, I don't think I can call and talk to somebody from the church because I don't want to tell them what I'm going through. Can I help you out? All you got to do is call on Jesus. He is here to serve us. He says the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Think about how he is the most powerful man in the world. And at the time of the banquet, he's the one and gives him and washes everybody else's feet. He's showing us how to serve because look how he came. He came humble. It says that he did not raise up his voice or shout out. He's not boastful. The servant showed us a sign of humility. Think about what it means to have a good servant. We want a humble servant. We want someone that's able to apply and use and humble themselves before us and not put authority and be so demanding. That's why some of us don't like around being some people that serve because, you know, they're not humble. You know, they're going to tell you what to do instead of ask you, what would you like? I don't know about you, but I, it's been timed is that I, I, I realized that when somebody's telling you everything but never asks you everything, it seems like they just don't care about you. But yet our Jesus is not always telling us, he's always asking. Mm. He's always inviting. He says, come, all ye who are heavy burdened, heavy laden, find rest for your soul. He is inviting us. The Philippians writer points out to us that we don't have to be worried about anything, but we can make all our supplications known and bring them before the Lord with thanksgiving. And so we understand that our God wants to keep us in perfect peace. He wants to humbly serve us, and he's making it capable for us to come to him because how low he came. You understand that? That if he came as the king, you couldn't come before him because you need to be special to get an inv invitation before the king. Everybody just cannot go into, the, into somebody's palace, into somebody's royalty place. They got to have some kind of gifts. If you look at the story, how did the kings come? How did the magi come? They came with gifts. They didn't just show up, I'm a king to see a king. No, they said, we want to come and bring gifts and show how we bring honor to this king. We have nothing to give to God. Think about it, think about it. Who, what can you give to God that he does not have? And, and, and since we have nothing to give him, look what God has done for us. He's made it easy for us to come to him because he told us what to bring him. He says, bring me what I already have. Come and bring me glory. Give me glory. Come and worship me. Come and praise him. And so he's made it easier for us to come to him because he told us how to come to him. And we can boldly come because of our priest, because of our prophet, because of our king Jesus came to serve us. He came from heaven to earth to what? Show us the way. And showing us the way he showed us how we ought to walk humbly. Mm. Think about how many arguments, many fights in our lives would not have happened if we were just humble. Y'all quiet on me. It's all right. That if we were more meek and more mild, we would be more easy to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to wrath. 
will understand that a gentle answer turns away wrath while a harsh word stirs up anger. He, look at how Jesus came. He says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wrong. Mm. He is coming. He is coming to fix what was broken and make it right. Now, good news that he came to set it right for us before the Lord. And, and look how he will do so. He will make sure mm, it's going to be done. Look, it says he will not be disheartened. <laughs> he will not lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instructions. Think about how the world was desperate waiting for a savior to come. They were desperate. Even the nations were desperate. We, the Magi, they were from a distant land. They came, traveled, and find out who is this king. There's people probably right in your neighborhood. Maybe they work right next door to you in the next cubicle. They might be in your classroom or maybe next to your locker. They might even share your locker. And they are desperate to hear of a servant that can serve them and bring them salvation. Because, you know, Jesus says, he saves from the uttermost to the lowest, but he saves. He came to bring justice to the Gentiles. Think about how we are not right, but yet God is just. And because of his justice, he has shown us mercy because you understand the wages of death is, I'm sorry, the wages of sin is death. And we all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what sin means to fall short, to miss the mark. And Jesus realized that we cannot make it, that we've fallen short, so he came to carry us. He's come to carry us across. He's come to show us how we are waiting expectantly for our lives to change. And this is where it gets exciting. Look how God intervenes. I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by by the hand and guard you and I will give you my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. Think about why many of our hymns we love have the word the cross. At the cross, at the cross is where I where I first saw the light. He is the light of the nations. Near the cross. We want to be and see a fleshing fountain, I mean, see a, a flowing fountain of blood that redeems us and washes us. And so what does this mean? This means this, that the cross symbolizes the covenant that Jesus has established on our behalf. The new covenant. I'm not talking of the old covenant. And Jeremiah says, I'm going to be, I'm going to establish a new covenant. I'm going to write my name upon your hearts. Jesus understood this when he was speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was still trying to figure it out when he came to him saying, I, I don't understand. What do you mean I must be born again? I got to get up and back in my mother's womb. He understood biology. He says, being birthed mean I came from my mother's womb. But he says, no, I'm not talking of a physical birth, but I'm speaking of a spiritual birth. I've come to serve to show you the way. That's why he says to him, you understand the old way, right? 
In the Old Testament, you read and, and you see how Moses had to make a bronze serpent for the people to look upon, that he had to rise up, and all who lift their eyes up upon that serpent, they were healed. He says the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that he might draw all men unto me. What do you mean? He is, I will establish a new covenant that all who look upon me, hallelujah, they shall be healed, they shall be redeemed, they shall be saved. Because look how I came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever, that means whoever believes in him, oh glory be to God. Thank you God for faith. Thank you Lord by me placing my faith in you. You will save me. You will not judge me but you will save me because it says for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not what? Perish but have everlasting life. Mm. He did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. He came to redeem us and bring us into salvation. He came to serve us and usher us into his presence. And then look how the Lord said, my servant's going to come. When my servant comes, you will see that he will make the blind able to see. Oh, glory be to God. He'll set the captives free. Jesus, as a young lad, went in and read from Isaiah 61, said, The year the Lord is upon us, that I will make, I will give sight to the blind, I will heal the lame, I will set the free, I will preach the gospel to the poor. They understood, Israel understood the signs that the prophets have given them. And then when Jesus was beginning his ministry, his cousin John the Baptist was locked up in prison, feeling kind of doubts, feeling kind of insecure because he'd been locked up knowing he was doing the will of God, but he's been hearing of the good news of Jesus that he sent his disciples to him and say find out if he's the one Jesus received the message says go back and tell him what you have seen you've seen the blind are able to see you've seen the lame are able to walk go tell her I am preaching the gospel to the poor what does that mean? that means that he came to serve us when you look at how he makes the blind able to see they were miraculously in awe when Jesus did that because they haven't seen too many prophets do things like that. That this man is powerful. This man was born blind. He didn't become blind. He was born blind. He was blind at birth. Why, why is that a qualification? The reason why that was a qualification is because many people became blind by the sand blowing in their eyes. So it, it, you put a little something in their eye, they're like, oh yeah, they cleared it up. I can see better. But you born blind I means there was a, a deficient area in your body that made your eyes not work but the creator of all things you see that guy say I'm the creator of all things right the creator of all things is able to fix it mm. so that man could see better than probably anybody else could see <laughs> they seen that he was able to make the blindness and then look closely here about how not only was he certain but he was also king look at some of the kingly implications that he's able to set the captives free when a king will go into war he will release his prisoners, those his, that were served. He will release them. They will come back marching with the king. And they will, and they will pass out gifts as a party, as a tribute upon them. We, we, we don't see it too much in our day, but we do that for our teams. When teams win championships, we have a parade for them. We shower them with gifts and we celebrate them. But the king, when he has, has victory, he brings them forth. And look what he does. He will release them from the prisons. And the prisons back then didn't have windows. They were in darkness. 
And so they're sitting in darkness, but yet he is the light of the nations, and he comes to bring them light. And so what does that symbolize? That though you may be in a dark place, look at me. I am your hope. Many of us are sitting in prison right now. Locked up from all kind of shame, all kind of guilt, all kind of insecurities. That's, that's the power of sin. Sin wants to trap you. Sin wants you to feel shame. Sin wants to do all that it can to keep you away from God. But I'm here to let you know that the servant came so that sin can't stop you. Look, look what it goes on because it says that I, will, I, the Lord, I, the Lord, will not share my glory with another. Y'all see that right there in the text? That he will not give his glory to another. But do you understand that as Jesus is about to abolish sin, he says, Lord, now the time has come. The time has come that you might receive glory. What was the time? The time has come for the servant who suffered for us to receive glory, to bring glory. How is this going to happen? Because look how he served and moved in his earthly life. He fed the hungry. He clothed the naked. He made the blind able to see. He made the lame able to walk. He healed many of leprosy. He saved a woman from a, a, a life of prostitution. Saved a tax collector that was crooked and thieving and stealing that he gave back more than he took away. He was able to bring transformation to everybody that saw him. Ten lepers were laying out. One was not even, you know, one was not even a Jew, but he healed all of them. It was the Samaritan that came back and worshipped him. He understood that I came for all the nations. I come for all to be redeemed and to be set free. So when the time came, he says, Lord, now may your son receive the glory because it's all about you. Because everything leading up, it was pointing us to the Father. Before that time, Early before that time, he was in Jerusalem and Lazarus was born. He prayed out loud, Lord, may you receive the glory. Show me where the tomb is. Then he said, Lazarus, come out. He did all of that for them to hear him talking to God. So they understood that, Lord, it's not me doing this, but it is you doing it. Jesus did everything to point them to the Lord. But when it came time for Jesus to shine, you know what happened? Darkness took over the earth. When the sun should be at its highest point, from noon to 3 p.m., darkness took over the world. But the S-O-N was shining bright. And, and shining bright, he was in anguish and in pain as he took on our sins. And he cried out in that pain, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But look what our servant has done. Our servant has served us that he took on our sin. He took on our shame. He took on our guilt. He took on our depression. He took everything that had us shackled up and bound up and says, I will set you free. Because who the son sets free is free indeed. And so when he took on our sin, he gave up the ghost. Now the enemy thought he won. For the ways of sin is death. Death happened to Jesus. But death had no hold on Jesus. Because three days later, he rose from the grave with all power in his hands. Oh, glory be to God. 
And because when he arose with all power in his hands, this is what the servant has done to us. The servant has showed us that if I can humbly come and walk this earth and live a life without sin, I can now represent you before the king as your priest, as your king, as your prophet. So now what are you going to do? Are you going to serve him? In this time of Christmas, we look to serve others by bringing gifts to them. What's your gift to him? Again, I, I made it clear that it's hard to give him gifts that he already has. That's why he's made it clear what to give him. He says, give me you. Because when you give yourself to me, guess what happens? I can use you for greater things. Think about it. A pencil in your hand is good, but put it in an artist's hand. They can make something more special. You, can, you think you are a race driver in your own car, but let a race driver get in your car. You're going to see them do some things in that car that you can't do. You think you're an athlete when you're playing around, but let a real athlete come on the playground and play around with you. You're going to find out. All I'm trying to point out that we think we're good by ourselves, but what we get in the master's hand, we're going to find out that we can do things beyond our imagination because now unto the one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine according to the glory of his church and his riches in us. So look what the servant has done. The servant says, I've done all this to break, a, break, break down the barrier of sin so that we might have peace, we might have unity. And knowing that while we're in this sin-sick world and troubles are all around us, you'll find out that I can give you peace. How can he give us peace? Because he's let us know that this earth is going to pass away, so let go, let it go. Tell your neighbor, let it go. Let go of all that anger, all that hatred, all those things that's weighing you down. Let it go. The enemy wants you to stay trapped and stay burdened down. But Jesus says, I've come. I've come to set you free. How can you set us free? You can be set free by forgiveness. He showed us how to forgive. For he said, Lord, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. Do you understand that when he died on the cross, he died for all our sins? You know, all means all-inclusive everything. It blows my mind. It probably blows yours too to know that God knows everything that I'm about to do. And yet he still died for me. Because we know what people are about to do to us and we're ready to hear them in the mouth. But God says, I'm ready to love you. I'm ready to be gracious towards you. Think about how when people mess up the stuff that you love most, you're ready to yell at them. But God says, I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to heal you. I'm ready to fix it because that's nothing. It's you that I'm concerned about. So what are you dealing with? What is your prison? What is your dungeon? Let the servant set you free. Let him bring you out of darkness. I don't have to stand here and give a list of sins. You know what they are. But I can, I can say this, that he is Lord. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the lamb that was slain. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the everlasting father. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the eternal father. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is our all in all. He is Emmanuel. 
He is God is with us. He is our Prince of Peace. And when we put it in proper perspective, he's all of that to us. How dare I not come to him? Tomorrow is not promised, but his grace is renewed to you today. He's come to serve us. Will you come to serve him? Everybody, every eyes closed.